Hello. Neil here, with episode 7 of Short Stories for Stressed Grown-Ups. As part of my research into developing themes and approaches to these stories, I read this week that connecting to our childhood can help us imagine life in simpler times. So this week, we'll be doing just that, returning to a time when all we had to worry about was what we were having for tea. Remember to subscribe to get a brand new story, written just for you, read to you every week. Whether you listen to help you unwind after a tough day, or to transport you to Dreamtown at bedtime. And, if you know anyone who may also enjoy these 10-minute escapes, be sure to let them know. Okay, just before we start, take a moment to get yourself comfortable. Good. Now close your eyes and take a couple of deep breaths. In and out. In and out. Now, let's begin. Today's story is called Den. It was a warm summer's day. Living in the country could be great, but today, in spite of having the six whole weeks of school holiday ahead of him, Tom was feeling a bit bored. His friends all lived in the city. No doubt they'd be playing on their skateboards or riding around the streets on their BMXs. But the more Tom thought about it, the more he wasn't jealous at all. Where they lived was so, well, just grey. Grey houses, grey roads, grey walls, grey skies. Yes, sometimes there was a splash of colour. But, in the winter at least, that was mostly because of the graffiti. You didn't need spray paint to liven up the place round here. There was colour everywhere, and... As Tom looked out of the window at the giant straight-up-to-the-sky trees at the edge of the forest, gently swaying in the wind, he had an idea. He stood up, put on his favourite bright red trainers, the ones Grandad always said were made from tomatoes. He was ten, not seven, but he always laughed anyway, because he liked how Grandad's face looked when he did, and he hoped when he was old... Someone young laughed at his rubbish jokes too. Where are you off to? said Mum from the kitchen. Go into the forest. I'll make sure you take your watch. You know what you're like for losing track of time. Okay. I want to see it on. He walked into the kitchen, raised an already tanned arm that had a small wrist around which was wrapped a digital watch the sort with a tiny calculator on it for writing boobs and things like that. And at the end of that wrist was a little frustrated fist. He couldn't wait to be grown up, so there were no more rules. Fine. Don't talk to strangers. How am I supposed to ever make friends if I never talk to people I don't know? Don't be cheeky. Do you want a banana? No, I want to go. He turned, 
ran up the hallway, stopped halfway and went back to the kitchen. He ran across to the sink where his mum was peeling potatoes. She leaned down as he reached up to kiss her on the cheek. Better, she said. Then he was gone, crashing up the hallway on the wooden floor, through the front door, down the garden path, around the broken metal gate that Dad was always going to fix next weekend and across the field towards the forest. As soon as he'd left the call of the house, he felt the heat of the sun. But only now, exposed in the middle of the field, could he really feel it, warming his head and back and bringing him out in a sweat. He could smell the warmed grass, which was slowly replaced by the scent of the pine needles as he approached the forest. He ran under the towering canopy and was immediately cooled and blind in the dark, the gaps between the trees creating permanent shadows, even on dazzlingly bright days like these. He stopped in the opening, letting his eyes adjust, feeling the ground spongy like a deep pile rug under his feet. He loved this feeling, the idea of having a carpet in the forest. His dad said that it was hummus that made it spongy, but it wasn't even the right colour to start with. Grown-ups definitely shouldn't be trusted. He reached out a hand, placing his palm against the trunk of the nearest tree, feeling the familiar roughness of its bark. Then he looked ahead to a tiny clearing where just enough light made it through the forest floor to spotlight a tiny, boy-built construction in progress. He smiled as he strode towards it, occasionally stopping to pick up broken pine fronds abundant with tightly packed jade-green needles. His smooth hands gripped them tight, making imprints on his palms that would last for hours, and the scent of pine grew ever deeper the closer he drew to his den. He watched a programme once with his granddad about survival. The most important thing, it said, was to make somewhere you could stay dry and warm. And this place, this tiny secret sanctuary of his, did so much more than that. He climbed into the tiny makeshift cube, its frame of broken branches neatly wrapped in a blue polythene sheet that he told Dad must have been blown away by the wind. He dragged the newly fallen fronds behind him, then crouched in the semi-darkness, arranging them under his feet, adding to the existing faded layers. Then he reached into the corner and pulled out an old Sainsbury's carrier bag wrapped around a camping stove. He remembered the argument Mum and Dad had and the guilt he felt. I mean, how'd you leave a stove behind? Well, technically we'd both left it behind. Luckily, they'd laughed about it the same evening, agreeing that it was only a bloody stove and it didn't really matter, which made him feel much better about hiding it behind the shed when they were unloading the car after their annual summer wild camping trip on the moors. He sat cross-legged at the entrance, with the stove in front of him, the door frame capturing a perfect rectangle of the silent forest beyond. With a twist and a click, it sparked into life, the blue flame immediately generating heat. He grabbed an old aluminium kettle, 
and a bottle of water from a black bean bag, which was also full of all mum's old pots and pans, half filled the kettle and placed it over the flame. He reached back into the bag, which clattered with its old metal contents, and pulled out an enamelled camping cup with his dad's name, Jack, scratched on it. I mean, why would anyone want a cup with someone else's name scratched on it? Dad had said. Maybe someone called Jack took it, said Mum. Which wasn't true. It was someone called Tom. As that same cup thief sat with a steaming hot cup of tea, a deer, unaware it had an audience, wandered into the frame. As Tom sat in silence, the deer slowly looked around, staring unafraid at the boy in the plastic box. Hello, said Tom. Hello, said the deer. Then it wandered off, out of the frame and into the shadows, leaving a very contented boy to enjoy his cup of tea.